Hello, this is Friday Morning Meeting, your favourite publishing podcast <laughs> with me, Emma Wright from the Emma Press. And me, Jamie McGarry from Valley Press. Since the last episode, in fact the day the last episode went online, we were attending a festival of publishing. Yes. And when we were there, we, uh, well, Emma, Emma saw a talk by... Um, uh, an audio expert, a senior audio expert, uh, a, a pillar of the um, publishing industry. Okay. Yeah, audio book expert. Audio book expert, yeah. Uh, yes. And um, we, we talked to her afterwards. I missed it because I had some train problems, so I missed that talk. Uh, but uh, Emma introduced me um, afterwards and I went off to talk to her. And uh, and she revealed to me that she uh, listened to the podcast. This was someone um, neither of us knew who actually listens to our podcast has heard all the episodes. And um, and then, uh, so I, my eyes uh, bulged in amazement. And I beckoned Emma over. I said, I sort of waved her <laughs> over. Um, and, and and your face was, I was trying to, I was trying to think of a way to describe what your face looked like when I said, um, this lady listened to the podcast. It was kind of like I detached one of my legs and hit you over the head with it. That's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the expression it was it was absolute shock you actually went backwards about 30 centimeters like you had been hit in the head <laughs> well I think it was a combination of factors it was firstly that I'd just been really impressed and excited by her talk about audiobooks and how audiobooks are the future so I would never have imagined that she would listen to the podcast and also I'd when I spent most of December meeting up with old friends and, and family and asking them if they'd listen to my podcast and all of them said no <laughs> so so I really kind of lowered my expectations of who I can expect to have listened to the podcast um and yeah and it was it was very thrilling to hear that there are actually listeners out there um and if you are a loyal listener then it'll be great if you could send in questions we're going to spend most of this podcast discussing a listener question um and we'd love to hear more I've also I've been trying to get people I meet to send in questions as well so they're very welcome this week I've been talking to 15, uh, 15 to 17 year olds um, and they were, it was a sort of a random sample, it wasn't ones who had particularly said I'd love to go and talk to a publisher, it was sort of, they were brought in randomly so it was a broad <laughs> section and I've been telling them, explaining to them about what publishing is um, and that's been quite interesting. It's been interesting to be the very first point of contact the first explanation yeah yeah because publishing is kind of a, a shadowy industry generally people wouldn't know when what goes on and what you think about and how how the whole thing works um so it, one thing Natasha who's been here this week has, has said a few times is that it just seems very mysterious how it all works and I've been trying to explain to her that I don't know I guess now it doesn't seem mysterious to me and every Every individual stage isn't necessarily that hard, but it's just knowing that these stages are important and knowing a little bit about how to do each stage that it that it gets kind of it does stop seeming like a cult. Mm. Well, what I did was to shock them. First of all, I, I, I first of all introduced myself, and I found out I said, "Who likes books?" And there'd be a few people reluctantly putting up their hands, <laughs> uh, and who's bought a book and so on. And I showed them a picture of me and the Queen, so they know that they're serious. This is, this is in my. Uh, <laughs> Um, and, that should be uh, the photo on this, pod- this week's podcast and so I said who, asked, who bought a book how much was it and then someone always says £10 so I go right of that £10 how much do you think the author got and then um, everyone sort of has a little debate um, um, and 
some of them said, um, oh, nine pounds, eight pounds fifty. And they were going, no, no, it'll be, it'll be five, it'll be equal, it'll be five for the author, five for the publisher. <laughs> and, and I was going, oh. Um, and then I gave them the example um, of um, a sort of new author who got 50p per book. Um, yeah. So I brought it up on the screen and there's much gasping. But then I explained, <laughs> um, then I explained what, so I broke it down into 20 50ps and I explained where each of them went. So one of them goes to the printer operating the machine that cut, that puts the inside paper into the machine and prints it and so on. And then someone else, the 50p goes to the fellow in Waterstones who hands it over to you. And, uh, and so on, I broke down all the 50ps and it also educated them, hopefully, in all the different jobs that there are within publishing. Yeah. Um, uh, but it backfired slightly because um, uh, there was all these different groups of children being wheeled in. And then um, at one point, the, a group came back because they didn't have anything to do. But they all sat in different <laughs> places. They all sat in different places. Oh, and, oh, but there were five new people added. So there's one table of new people, then three tables of people who already heard the talk. And, yeah. like, and um and I did my little intro and I said, Now, how much do we think how much do we think authors earn? And they all went, as one voice went, fifty P They were growing. Well, they retained it though. They'll take that 50, knowledge with them into their adult life. Uh, and the the people on um, the other table were going the people on the other table said like five pounds and they were and and then they felt really silly. <laughs> um so I, and I said, how do, you, how do you know that already? I was like, wait a minute, have you not been here before? And they started chuckling. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, yeah. But I don't know if any of them would um, want to go, and, go on to a career. But at least they well, know stay now. stay in their minds, they... though. Just the idea that they could run a publishing house. Like, that's something I, nev- I never thought about doing. I just thought it was, I don't know, kind of... Yeah, well, if people say to me... like the BBC or something. Just go people, sometimes, people, sometimes people say to me, oh, it must be amazing when you're publishing. I could never do that. And I always say, mm. yes, you could. The only difference between me and someone who doesn't run a publishing house is that I did I did do that. That's the difference between me and the next person. <laughs> you know, if, yeah, yeah. I think almost anyone who's computer literate could have started at the same time as me and got as far as I have, you know. The, the only, yeah, you can the, figure it out. That you know what you want to create, and you just reverse engineer it. Yeah. And that's so the only difference is that I, I, I did, I did, as I say, I, I did do that. I did start a publishing house, so that is why I'm the person I am today, I suppose. Yeah. But at what cost? Because shall we? Shall we? Can we segue now seamlessly into <laughs> the listener question of the week? Yes, yeah, so and we can call the podcast at what cost. Um, oh yeah and that would also go to the kind of the 50p thing or, or maybe not uh, i don't know oh, yeah. no, no. i like it i like it and also that goes goes with your kind of slightly intriguing kind of mysterious podcast titles yeah yeah i like i like them yeah emma's been so emma's been pushing for uh clickbaity titles like <laughs> what was the what was your suggestion for the last one um well, one of them was how to, I've, I've got a list of all these clickbait titles I've written down. How to get a job in publishing. Um, how many books should we publish per year? Um, what is the future of publishing? How to make money in publishing? <laughs> a day in the life uh-huh. of a publisher. <laughs> but I like to keep it really vague. I like people, my approach so with my email newsletters as well is to make people wonder, Ooh, what's that about? And I always ever, only ever do like three words. Um, so how many books? And then people are like, how many books what how many books spoil the broth how many books can you <laughs> can you fit in your mouth at once and they don't they don't really know so uh, that's what that's my we have, we have different approaches but there's room for both of our generally emma will yeah. suggest the title i will shorten it 
um but that's, yes. uh, that's a little bit behind the scenes um that's uh, <laughs> shop talk for you but we won't, uh, we won't get into too much of it so this week's one question i do hope that we continue this trend of getting one question per week but the questions are good and, and i think we might talk quite a bit about this because it's a it's a rich vein yeah of one question discussion. a week is perfect i don't know if the you yeah. know, I don't know if the listeners are organizing themselves like they say there's a <laughs> forum somewhere where they're saying who's going to ask him a question this week or why i had it last week you, you ask yeah, let's vary it let's make sure we cover different topics each week <laughs> yeah. yeah it's working well so far so this week the question came came to us through facebook it's from sarah jane slack who runs inspired quill another publishing house and she says Here's a question for you. How do you deal with your health as a publisher and entrepreneur, especially when it comes to making sure your health and mental health is a priority? Are there any tips you would give to other folks that feel isolated, especially publishers and writers? Well, um, it is it definitely is not good for your health to stay indoors all day looking at a screen and so on. And I think definitely it's been good for me to have an office. And I have, um, I have a... 20 minute walk to the train station then i get a very short train to not a short that makes it sound like it's a model one train. carriage yeah <laughs> no, I, get, I get i have a short train journey into into scarborough and then i have another sort of 10 minute walk at the other end so i know i'm going to do an hour's brisk walk a day um and yeah. i i've written that off now i've said that's that's all right i don't feel the need to go to the gym or anything do you go to the gym ever no, I think I'm, I mean, I, I might do, I wrote on my New Year's resolutions, I wrote gym, and then by the time I'd finished writing the resolutions, I'd already put it in brackets, because I, I wasn't sure <laughs> if that was really realistic. Um, it can be expensive, can't it, first of all? Yeah, yeah, I've been to the gym like for a period once in my life, and it was quite good. Like, I been through a breakup and this is very bad and unfeminist but i've been through a breakup and and had to go to a wedding cut my hair (laughs) went to the gym i probably i think i had highlights i had highlights done and i was going to go to cyprus and i wanted to wear a bikini um it's all really stupid things but at the time it seemed sensible um so yeah so I, i went to the gym and the nice thing was that the um all the machines had televisions on them, so <laughs> <I'm doing> <laughs> and I love television. So um, I, I'd I'd have a kind of a half hour workout routine, which would allow me to watch a whole show, kind of like How I Met Your Mother or like Scrubs or something. Um, so I, I quite liked it. Two, but that was two when other I was shows are available. That's too cool. <laughs> so that was back when I was living with my parents. Um, but I have been thinking I definitely need to be more active because I do spend a lot of my time just kind of sat at my desk and that's been another nice thing about having Natasha here this week because I think I, I can't draw her into my kind of like kind of I feel like a flesh lump just like sagged in front of my screen like tapping away and kind of telling myself I'll be able to finish kind of finish all of my emails and obviously I never can I just walk away so today we went and, and worked in a local cafe for a bit just for a couple of hours and that was really nice and I showed her BiblioCloud and Nielsen title data and things so yeah and, I, and then I thought as I always think whenever I work in cafes this is a really good thing to do the walk through the fresh air was good for me and also a change of scene um, and last time I did it was when Philip was here and um, our boiler was broken. It had been broken for a few days. So the flat was absolutely freezing. And I thought, I can't <laughs> I can't bring Philip here. So we went and cafe hopped that day. And again, I thought, 
I should do this more often, but I, I just can't seem to do it when I am working on my own. I do often tend to go to a cafe, and um, I mean, it is Scarborough, right? So we're still talking under £5 for a serious amount of food. Uh, which is bear um, bear in mind, but because uh, at home I'm I've got all this I've got the uh, one and a half year old running around, yeah. uh, climbing up the walls literally now, literally climbing up the walls now, and uh, and then at the office I've got information overload, everyone's talking to me and going, Jamie, what's this? What, what do we do with this, Jamie? And so on. Then the cafe is my uh, place of tranquility. Um, uh, so uh, and and it means that I'm always getting healthy food because sometimes you're too late. If I, if I didn't. If I didn't do that, I'd just like grab a pasty or something, or have something un- unhealthy, perhaps. Um, but, but I was going to say, if I if I ever decided to get really healthy, I probably wouldn't join a gym. Um, I would maybe just go running on the street, or or um, hire or buy like weights or something. Yeah, yeah. I think the way to make it more than just a fad is to kind of integrate it into your daily life. So if you don't pass by a gym on your way to work, then maybe it's unlikely you're going to make the extra journey. So I think one of the reasons stopping me from going to a gym is that I live in the jewellery quarter and I don't think there are gyms around here. On, on New Year's Day, I did spend quite a long time researching gyms with saunas, which I That really is the like. day. That is, I bet they're hit on the website. I'll go up. to a gym if I could go to a sauna, just because I like being really, really warm. Um, and I'm so often cold. So, mm. yeah, so there's nothing really, really near... But yeah, and what? So going back to the question, I'd say one tip um, is to is to go to a cafe. But if you feel like you can't wrench yourself away from a screen, maybe get a friend to text you or call you at a certain time during the day, um, and tell you go to a cafe. Um, that might only work on a certain kind of person, but it's it's worked on me. Um, just that kind of just that kick because you can sometimes you can get into a kind of a trance like state. Yeah, oh, yeah. Kind of, yeah. And and that's the hardest. So for me, my on my average day, I would start trying to get out of bed at nine. I'd eventually succeed at about half ten. I'd have finished breakfast by eleven, and then I'd think, oh, I should probably check my emails in case something's happened. So then I'd go on my computer, still in my pajamas and dressing gown, um, and then I'd then I get sucked into emails and kind of pressing issues. And then by about half twelve or one, I might start feeling disgusting in my pajamas. So I'd go and get get dressed. Um, yeah, I used then... to do that as well. Actually, that, that's quite similar. When yeah, I was, I'm not really free... sure if that's a sensible thing or not. No, I think it's, it's sensible because I used to. It used meant that the two sort of I gave myself two blocks of work each day, and the first block would be in the pajamas, sort of after breakfast. Then after that, I'd have the shower and I'd have my lunch and I'd go for a walk and I'd do all these things and I'd try and make that last as long as possible before coming back and doing the second block um which yeah, is I'd say, i think it's healthy i'd say my second block is always the best block but that's hard because that's technically the block in which i'm meant to have my lunch um and that's why i often will skip lunch or just end up missing lunch so i would so i'd get dressed at around half 12 one and then i think well now i'm ready to work i can't, i've i haven't done any work for the last of half hour or so I should work over over the period when everyone else is having lunch. So I'd end up, and then I'd end up hitting my stride at around kind of half two. And I think, got to keep going. I'm finally, finally up to speed. So I'd work through to kind of half three or four. And then I'd be hungry again. So I'd have lunch and I'd be 
of half four five and then the post office shuts at six so then i I think oh gosh i've got (laughs) i don't go to the post office every day but this is the main reason i do actually leave the house it's the only deadline in your life (laughs) yeah yeah and i have to post the books eventually otherwise customers will be annoyed so kind of two or three times a week i'll go to the post office and then i go to the post office i'll be back by kind of half six um and then i'd work for another hour or two and then my boyfriend comes back and then we cook dinner and then I say I'm going to work after dinner but then I'll eat and then I'll feel <laughs> just kind of like it's, I want it's to back watch to the TV. sitcoms then yeah <laughs> yeah so we'll watch like two episodes of Jane the Virgin and then I'll say and I'll say throughout I'm going to work afterwards I'm going to work afterwards and then I'll just just feel really sleepy <laughs> so so I haven't really done any work in the evenings for a while I've been reading submissions actually this week that's okay um what but, do you think yeah, about so that's my day what do you think about the theory, and I've read uh, at least two books on this theory, that four hours work a day is the maximum you can usefully do? Yes, I'm very keen on this theory, and that's what I tell myself every For morning. When reasons, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just think, yes, this is, this is fine. I think I would like to move my work, working hours, a little bit earlier in the day, because I think it's going to get increasingly hard as my life goes on to be kind of working these hours and... Yeah, and it does feel better. Like, it feels good for your mental health, I think, to be awake in, in the sunlight. Um, apparently lots of people in Birmingham have vitamin D deficiency, and I think I'm waiting for some blood test results to come back, and I bet I have that because, okay. I mean, I rarely see the sun. I'm just kind of hunched <laughs> over my computer with the blinds down. So, um, yeah, there are many well, reasons it is winter to after get all. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so I think... Definitely. And that's one of the nice things about being self-employed is that when you're working in an office job, you're kind of partly being paid to be there. Like maybe when you're in a higher up position, but kind of when you're starting out, they're probably, I mean, there's always things to do, I guess. But part of like you, you just soon learn that you can't work solidly from nine to five because like that's just impossible. So your whole day, like office life involves kind of having tea breaks, making tea for the whole office, and then going to the loo and just kind of having a nice bit of me time, just sat on the loo for a bit, some blessed <laughs> silence, and then there's a meeting, and not much will be achieved in the meeting. Um, and yes. then you, yeah, you just well, do, do, a, do a few because, spreadsheets. Because at the moment I am, I'm, I'm pretty much working five hours a day at the moment, um, but that is six days a week. Um, yeah. It's, it, it, so it's, I have... One hour either before or after the, the other four. And this is kind of the the free hour where I'm allowed to just sort of look at the workflow and stroke my chin and ponder things. <laughs> uh, and this isn't, really, this isn't really work, but I find that's quite important. That's working on the business rather than in it. And then when I actually get to the office after my cafe visit, um, then and, I, and I'm supposed to do then one to five, like really intense, uh, six days a week, one to five. Um, 48 weeks a year I'm sp- all my plans involve me doing that those four hours but they can very easily get thrown off one long rambly meeting can destroy a four hour yeah. day um, uh, one author comes in and, and I love a I love a chat at a meeting and so on and I can easily um, I can easily waffle away for a good hour but that's kind of spoils the flow and then it's and it, 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 momentum is important I definitely start off slow and then by by two o'clock I'm worked up to a to a frenzy and then by five o'clock I'm, I'm sort of burnt out more or less and then I'm happy to go home and 
go back to playing with a, a Duplo and so on. Yeah, I think I think the key thing I'm getting from that is that it's important just to I think to, to give yourself like I think to kind of forgive yourself, but also not forgive yourself, but not not to blame yourself and think why aren't I doing more work? Like just accept that you can only do four hours, four or five hours of really productive work, and then if you don't don't manage to work all day, or if you don't even manage that, just to say okay well that's okay like I'm, I'm human I sometimes I'll have a good day sometimes I'll have bad days but yeah and, and try to kind of move on as quickly as possible rather than spending ages in my, in my less wise days I used to imagine doing two four-hour blocks of work um yeah every day and I and I think I even did a, a blog post about this not so long ago about um, <laughs> just before just before George was born I think um, yeah you've got perspective now you've got other things and you and it's partly necessity. You probably can't be working more than four. But it never hours worked out. I planned what I was going to do in these blocks of time, but I never ever got to do both blocks of time, and so I was always behind with everything. Um, and I realised that was particularly foolish. So the best planning advice, and this is very good for your stress as well, is to allot twice the time you think it will take. So you figure out, oh, I think it'll take me uh, three days to typeset this book, but I'm going to pop six in the old calendar. Just, uh, just in case, and that is uh, a good way for you to, um, for all of us to avoid stress. So, double the time. Although there's another theory that <laughs> work expands to fill the time allotted for it. So that would be, business-wise, that would be extremely foolish. What I've just said, and you should just schedule yourself three hours, and then you'll, you'll somehow you'll force yourself to get it done as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think overall, if you're less stressed and more happy, then you just will be able to do things faster and work more efficiently. So I'd I'd again say probably the best thing to do, and again, this is advice I frequently ignore, but you could just just don't give yourself a hard time. So even if you think typesetting this novel should take three days and that takes longer, you can just think, well, even the world's best typesetter wouldn't have been able to manage it in fast time. I'm doing as well as I can so be that kind of kind voice to yourself um and also just another thing I'd say is to kind of recognize when to call it so when a day just is a write-off and you're just not not having a good day um and there are days where I've just kind of trudged on doing very very little just because I my my head is completely just not in it and then and I've trudged on to the bitter end and achieve basically nothing and feel terrible and really what I should have done is kind of around 12 or 1 I should have thought my head feels like cotton wool I can't deal with emails I can't deal with logistics that's very good advice film. yeah and again that's really hard to recognize when that happens yeah if the listeners only take one thing away from this podcast that should be it you should work because sometimes you'll feel like doing work and that's when you should do work and sometimes you won't feel like it and you should let yourself Unless you're employed, in which you can probably still get away with it. But yeah, when you realise nothing good's going to happen, then do bail out. That is very, very good advice indeed. That's yeah, because then you can rest that day, you can rest the next day, and then day after that, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then because also you all have periods when you just feel really productive and you're doing loads, and like that that should be kind of credit for the future when you're not feeling so good. You shouldn't you shouldn't just kind of self-flagellate just because you're not able to keep up to those standards I mean also then I think 
it's the reason I'm so tired some of the time because I'm <laughs> I, I've suddenly kind of got revved up and I've just burned myself out. And obviously that is a another thing that can happen. So I think um, I always think, I've I've realised now that age comes into it as well. Um, when yes. I was certainly when I was twenty one, twenty two, it when it was crunch time, if I had to do a, an all nighter, I wouldn't suffer that much. I could work till four o'clock in the morning, and then possibly even get up at eight and be perfectly fine the next day yeah but um this week for the first time in a long while i really had to get something done and i lost almost all the day up to about three o'clock um this is actually because uh, george lost one of his shoes so he had only had one shoe and so we had to go to the shoe shop and, and one thing <laughs> led to another but um so i got in at about three and then there were some other urgent matters to attend to and by the time uh, and i full I had a full office as well and by the time everyone else had gone home then it was five o'clock, but I still had to do this four-hour piece of work. Oh. Ah, so I worked from five till nine solidly on look, staring at the computer, clicking and doing complicated formatting stuff. Uh, that was for our graphic novel that's coming up, and um, and then I, I felt good afterwards because I I blazed through it four hours solid work. Um, but the next day I had a headache all day that I couldn't shake and I felt absolutely mm. dreadful, and that never would have happened to me when I was twenty-five. Um, I'm nearly yeah, 30 yeah. now. Um, so um, it's a young man's game do, working lots. But I, yeah, I but definitely also, can't do I again. find it's not, so, it's partly the energy. So I don't, I just can't work all through the night, even though some, like I have tried a few times recently just because I, I was, was avoiding doing reports and things. And I just thought I should just stay up until I've done it and then that will finally make me do it. Um, but it's also just like I've lost the inc- inclination to do it. So I, I've gained too much perspective <laughs> and now I can't tell myself I've got to do this or the world will end. I just think, well, if I don't do it, I don't know, either I'm only hurting myself or someone might be a bit annoyed, but ultimately no one's going to hunt me down and kill me, um, which used to be my kind of fear. I'd fear my tutors at university would like, shoot me in the head if I didn't do my essay. Um, yeah. And now I've gathered that that generally doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and also, you know, lots of people are running late and lots of things. So we're just part of the kind of this rich tapestry of people missing deadlines. That it's kind of, yeah, I, I just can't make myself kind of push past the 5am barrier. And ultimately, that's what you need to do to, to do. An we haven't even got on to mental health yet. We have, that's all been on more or less physical health. I don't know. I think that's kind of tied into it. It's all tied in, isn't it? There's, you can't really separate the two. Um, well, I mean, you can, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I think mental health... Yeah, I do wonder... I feel like publishing, in a way, is really helpful for me because I, I really like running my own business and I think being in charge and being able to make my own decisions and not feel powerless, that's been... like That was a reason to set it up and a reason I left Orion... Um, but at the same time, <laughs> running a, a small publishing house that focuses on poetry is like a recipe for disaster in terms of mental health. Because you're. Do you think this is like, harder than other businesses for your mental health? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, if you'd stuck to the sewing, would it have been as stressful? <laughs> well, then I'd have been genuinely alone. So then I would really be thinking more about being isolated. The thing I find stressful and damaging for my mental health is kind of dealing with all the people involved in publishing because there's an an awful lot but also kind of 
I guess it is quite an emotional industry. So you're dealing with a lot of different people's emotions and with hopes and dreams tied up in their correspondence. So if you're an empathetic person, then you can get very swept away in it and end up kind of drained because you're giving so much. Um, And I think that can be a difficult thing because because we are disappointing many people (laughs) and I found that quite hard in the past. Um, And now I'm trying to kind of protect myself a bit from it but ultimately our role is to is to be a gatekeeper in in some way so that and that means turning some people away and making some people sad and it doesn't feel good to make some people sad and and that's that's just part of it but also there's deadlines there's stakes so like I think we talked about some of the earlier episodes about how you know one's imagining an author kind of weeping wretchedly on a rock so like the idea that people will have worked really hard on this writing and either we're rejecting it or we're, we're we've through our own foolishness we've we've risked the book not being there at the launch or you know yes. I did a something went wrong in the typesetting of one of the recent books and I don't know how it happened it was fine in the proofs um but so it's just it's just one poem but um yeah for, for that for that poet it's that's not, it's not as as she wrote it like this one line's knocked over um so yeah and I, f- I feel really bad about that because that's her experience of the book I'm slightly tainted um there's always reprints so, tell her <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> that's <laughs> what I used to say I said oh we'll get through these soon you know, we'll do a reprint yeah. I said that to someone there was someone who for some reason two thes appeared in one of their poems despite it being edited like four times one of the poems hmm. said the the, and I said yeah. we'll reprint it. But, That's a classic, uh, though. They're still <laughs> waiting, like seven years later or something. <laughs> 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 oh dear, uh, sorry yeah. to that person if you're listening. <laughs> Wait, uh, what, what do you think? Do you because I mean neither of us has worked in any other industry really. I mean I worked briefly, kind of in the tech industry, but just as a as a blogger and copywriter and canopy buyer. So I don't really have any other experience. I worked in retail, and that is, it's both, I worked in um, HMV for for about a year, and then Waterstones for two years on and off, Um, Mm. and uh, it's both more and less stressful, because on the one hand, it's more stressful because you've often got some boss breathing down your neck, who, for them, it is life and death, and they have to, you have to beat those DVDs quicker. Uh, or, or HMV will go out of business. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> uh, um, but um, but then also the stakes are lower because you think, well, if I don't get these CDs in the bag for this gentleman quick enough, very little is going to change in the world. Um, or if I if I forget to scan one or something like that, it, it sets off the alarm. There's very little that can go wrong working Waterstones, really, you have to say. Yeah, but also... The fate of Waterstones isn't in your hands, and that's the, that's the no. You're a very small cog in a very yeah. big machine. Um, so I think the thing that probably makes me I don't know. There are many things that make me unhappy, but one thing is just that I've done this to myself. So I've I've decided to start this company, and if I I don't know if I can't get out of bed or if I just can't manage to finish a report or something, then it's, it's only myself. Um, I'm hurting and and also having an impact on the the people who depend on the company so like and that's that's a really huge thing to carry around with you but ultimately 
Yeah, the responsibility so does does, yeah. does get to me, uh, especially at the moment, because I've got responsibilities of uh, being a dad and um, and also then providing for the family, but also these other now five families sort of relying on me to some yeah, extent, yeah. Uh, and that is uh, that does um, that does get to you a little bit, um, but well, I don't know. Yeah, well, there's no answer to that. Get, I get used to it. It's <laughs> responsibility, and we don't want to stop so and we want to keep growing we want to when i was a, when i was a bachelor it felt like there weren't really any stakes even though i could easily and often did not pay the rent um it still didn't feel that important because i wasn't letting anyone else down yeah i think i guess for me I, I feel like mostly i won't do things for my own good unless i think there are really high stakes and as a result i have to often tell myself or pretend to myself that the stakes are really high, but as a result, I get stressed in a way that's kind of appropriate, like proportionate to the, these made up stakes. <laughs> and then um, I've done the thing, but at what cost? Um, so, at what cost? Yeah, that was the title. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't it? Well done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if we've really answered this question, possibly because we're still working through it ourselves. I'd say yeah. my main takeaway would be f- forgive yourself frequently and be move kind on. to yourself. Yeah, be kind um, to yourself. Even when um, everyone else isn't, you need to be, especially especially when everyone else isn't, you need to be the one being kind. Yeah, because um, it might not occur to other people that that's how you feel. Um, and I guess, I mean, this phone call between me and Jamie, that's partly partly a response to isolation and like it's nice to check in and to know there's there's another person actually there at the other end of the phone yeah well i think i said week. in the i said in the pilot that sometimes we need it like a what did i say sometimes you need it like a trip to the shops sometimes we need it like a trip to the hospital and uh, and yeah. i didn't mean that i meant that uh, sometimes it's very important and sometimes it's just fun i suppose but uh yeah yeah, it's reassuring to know it's there. So I'd, I guess I'd recommend like seeing if you can set something like that up. Um, just mm. like something regular, because when you're working for yourself, you you don't have to have any routine, and that's part of the, the fun of it. But sometimes you miss the kind of the regular interactions um, and kind of that kind of shared experience. So it's nice to have regular talks with someone else who's kind of really doing a very similar business to you or having a very who has similar concerns and worries because and also sometimes they can actually help out so you can talk to your friends Mm. about it in general terms but I really like talking to Jamie because uh, Jamie's a couple of years ahead of me with his business so sometimes or often he has the answers (laughs) and makes me feel much better so oh well you uh, and and sometimes you have my answers as well uh, just because any different perspective it is it is uh, it is a useful thing the peer mentoring as i've once called it is uh, (laughs) it's good on every level it's good for your health it's good for the everything else and um, good for good for the businesses long may it continue yeah and uh, finally i would say follow jamie mcgarry's four to five golden rules of publishing which are on on our is it our first episode that was episode one yeah, yeah, yeah episode one so i think i've my my life's definitely improved since following those especially oh, the really? launch party one yeah yeah it's just yeah number two is important isn't it <laughs> that is really <laughs> yeah two is very important um yeah but also number five which was added at the end um, we shouldn't say what these rules are, and then people will have to listen to podcast one again. <laughs> yeah, the, one, the one I thought of during the podcast, it was, it was four rules when I started, now it's five. The, r- rule five was good enough is good enough, 
so that yeah. is a good thing to remember. Yeah. So yeah, all that remains is to um, give out the email addresses, I suppose. If you uh, yeah, so if you have any if questions about uh, running a small press or um, being an entrepreneur or I don't know local tips about Scarborough or the Jewellery Quarter, um, just drop us an email. You can either do it on Facebook or Twitter or our email addresses are editor at theemmapress.com or jamie at valleypressuk.com. Thank you for listening to Friday Morning Meeting with me, Emma Wright, from the Emma Press. And me, Jamie McGarry, from Valley Press. Till next time. Excellent. <laughs>